So I'm going to be teaching on the anatomy of effective prayers. The anatomy of effective prayers. Not just the anatomy of prayers, but the anatomy of effective prayers. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. That is, it makes tremendous power available. Right? It's not every prayer that is effective. And that's why we're talking about effective prayers. Effective prayers. Uh, the word anatomy simply means a detailed analysis. You see, so uh, it's not just one nice sounding word. Simply means a detailed analysis. So all throughout this month, we're going to be talking about prayer in every regard. The types of prayer, you know, um, how to get your prayers answered. Why prayers are not answered. How to pray. And a book of the month is how to pray. Very straightforward, no fluff book, right? How to pray. So I'd encourage you to get that. It's also going to be of help to you, right? And if your mobile device, right, is connected to the internet, I want you to share the service. Let's do that very quickly. It won't take you more than 20 seconds to do that. Make sure you are not scrolling through Instagram. Don't be distracted. Just share the service and come back to church. Praise God. So this morning, let's open our Bibles very quickly to First Samuel chapter 1 and verse 27. What I'm going to be focusing on more this morning is on why prayers are not answered. Because before we start talking about how to pray, you know, the different types of prayers, how to get results in the place of prayers, we need to take away the hindrances, the things that can limit our prayers, the things that can stop our prayers from being answered. In 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 27, this is Hannah, right, having this conversation or making this statement. He said for this child, right, she had been trusting God for a child for a while and eventually when the answer came, the Bible says she said for this child I prayed and the Lord has given me my petition which I asked of him. For this child I prayed and the Lord has given me my petition which I asked right of him. The Lord has given me my petition which I asked of him. There are a couple of things I want us to see in this passage of scriptures. But let me start out by saying this. Every failure in the life of a believer is a prayer failure. I'm going to say that again. Every failure in the life of a believer, never you forget that, is a prayer failure. Is it that the lack of prayers, right, or uh, praying the wrong way? But when you see a believer that is failing perpetually, it, it might be because the person, that individual, does not know how to pray. Because, you know, uh, um, there are traditional ways to these things. There are cultural ways to these things. And you and I need to remember what Jesus said. That you, through your traditions, you have made the word of God of no effect. Right? So the fact that a man or a woman, right, is raising their voice and shouting, right, at the top of their lungs does not mean that they are praying according to scriptural standards. And we're going to see that this morning, right? But you need to understand that every failure in the life of a believer, check any area of your life that you have not, not committed to God in the place of prayers. It might be an area of life where you are not doing well as you are supposed to. And you and I need to understand that prayer, right, is a dialogue between divinity and humanity. That's one of the things you need to understand about prayer. That's not the only thing that prayer is. But you need to understand that prayer is not a monologue. It's a dialogue. It's a dialogue. And that's why I said that every failure in the life of a believer is a prayer failure. Because if you're, right... Having a dialogue consistently with divinity, right, um, it will bring to your attention the things that are to come. It will show you the steps you need to take, even if there is a specific evil or danger or failure that is imminent. God is going to show it to you before every other person sees it. That's why the Bible says a prudent man foresees the evil and he hides himself, right? He said the simple, it says they pass on and they are punished. Why? Because they cannot see it or because they chose to ignore it so we need to understand that a dear man of god i respect so much he said i pity a man who does not pray and i pity a man who has no one praying for him he says the ways of that man is going to be very hard the ways of that man is going to be very hard i pity a man who doesn't pray and I pity a man who has no one praying for him. That's why you see that Apostle Paul, as, as spiritual as he is, you know, as close as he was to God, you know, writing a larger percentage of the scriptures in the New Testament, Apostle Paul will still say a couple of times, pray for us. Pray for us. 
pray for us. So a man who is not praying and a man who does not have a community of believers that they pray together, that you have an assurance that they are praying for you. You know, some people just tell you, I'm praying for you. It's simply a religious cliche. They are not praying for you. They are not praying. It's just a, we are praying for you. It's that moment they said it. That's where it ends. <laughs> and one of the things we are going to be doing, you know, even beginning from this month of September, is that we're going to be creating community groups in the gateway. I thought somebody was going to be excited about that. A community of believers, right? You say everything does not have to arrive at pastor's decks. In your community, you can sort things out. You can't be in a church, in a local assembly, and you are failing in business, and there is nobody you trust enough, and you say, let us agree together. You are going to see, and it's, we'll talk more about that, praise God. But you see, let me just tell you, you need, you need to understand that. If you are not praying, uh, you will be having more misses than eats in life. Your life will be by trial and error. You will be, things will be happening that you will not know how they happened. So you will not know how to replicate them. You see, one of the things I've come to realize is this. When you see a man or a woman that gets something and they can't or they are not able to repeat that process in their life, is because they are not prayerful. Because if they are prayerful, even if it happened by, maybe it happened accidentally, the Holy Spirit will show you what you did right. Especially when you go into the place of prayers, and it will tell you, keep doing this thing. Keep doing this thing. This was what produced this. That's why the Bible says the path of a just man is as a shining light that shines more and more unto the perfect day. You know, Apostle Paul was writing to the church. He said that wage war with the prophecy that has gone ahead of you. So for instance, the overarching prophecy promised for us for the year 2021 is that it is a year of enlargement. Right? And he said that in the remaining days of the year is a season of better days. Now, someone can receive that prophecy and just say, it's my better days. It's my year of enlargement. And never taste it. And never experience it. Because it's not just enough to receive the prophetic word. You need to wage war with it. You need to wage war with prophecy. Because every time a prophetic word shows up, the devil will always go after it. It will always go after it. The Bible says persecution will arise for the word's sake. It will arise for the word's sake. Persecution shows up in different ways. It shows up as seasons of contradiction. Where you begin to express the opposite of what God told you. That's why you see someone like Elijah. After God had told him that the rain was coming. After so many years of famine. You see, Elijah did not go celebrating like Ahab. Because Elijah was a spiritual man. Elijah understood how the realm of the spirit works. So you know what Elijah did? The Bible says he went into the place of prayers. And he told the servant to keep looking out for the manifestation of what God had told him. The Bible says he prayed the first time. The servant came and said there was no sign. He sent him again the second time. Why? Because you don't stop praying because you are tired. You stop praying when you see the manifestation of what God has told you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So for some of you, you have been praying about something. You have been praying for one year, two years, three years, four years, five years. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Because one of the things the devil does is he wants to get you to that point of discouragement. When you begin to question the principles of God's word, that does this thing really work? Or maybe God just chooses who he decides to answer. You know, he will begin to throw those fiery darts into your heart. And if you don't know how to guard your heart, you will get discouraged. Before you know it, you reduce your prayer level. Before you know it, you even get to a point and you say, you know, and you see, the ultimate goal of the enemy is your salvation. Because when you begin to doubt God's promises, very soon you will doubt the promise giver. When you doubt the promise giver, you stop believing in him. And before you know it, you walk away from him. So you see Anna here, the Bible says that she said, for this child I prayed and the Lord has given me my petition which I asked of him. What does that mean? Three things we need to pay attention to in this passage of scriptures. There was a haxing. There was a haxing. She didn't just assume that God knew what she wanted. There was a accent. See, God knows everything. But you and I need to understand that even though he knows everything, on the earth, nothing happens until man gives God permission to operate. I've told us that several times. God has no right. See, even for God to save mankind, he had to come as a man. He had to show up as a man. So any area of your life you don't dedicate to God, you don't hand over to God, God will fold his arms and he will keep watching. And how do you do that in the place of prayers? 
Anna wanted a child, but she didn't say, at least God should know that I need a child now. Every year I come to Shiloh. I make my sacrifice. He should know now. At least the Bible says he knows all things. So he should know. But she said, no. For this child, I prayed. And God has granted the petitions that I asked of him. So there was an action. There was no assumption. The second thing you need to understand is this. That she said, I prayed. I asked of God. I was the one that asked of God. Not the prophet asked on my behalf. And I'm going to dwell on that this morning. She said, I prayed. I prayed. <laughs> I prayed. I'll leave that for some more, uh, the next few moments. Because I really want to dwell on that. And the third thing is that the Bible says she directed her prayers to the right quarters. She said, I asked of him. Who was he talking about? Or who was she, the Bible talking about here? She asked of God. She asked of God. And one of the things I'm going to be talking about in this series is knowing who to pray to. You don't pray to Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's one of the reasons a lot of believers' prayers are not answered. I remember the first time I shared that publicly, you know, not even privately with some of you know, our people. They were looking at me like, Pastor, what are you talking about? Jesus said in John 16, He said, in that day you will ask me nothing. You don't pray to Jesus. You pray to the Father. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Our Father who art in heaven. You don't pray to Jesus. You only pray in the name of Jesus. What does that mean? Does that mean every time you pray, you must put in the name of Jesus? Not necessarily. What it simply says, right, is that you are standing in the position of Christ. One of the things that happened when Jesus died, when he was buried and resurrected, was that it took your place so that you might have this place. So the same way Jesus will speak in heaven and all of heaven will respond, the Father will pay attention. You and I, we have been given that right. That's why Jesus came. The Bible made us to understand that so that we might also become sons. So Jesus became the firstborn among many brethren. So the access our big brother has, we also have. We also have. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why God does not use intermediaries. He doesn't. He doesn't. So this point I want to focus on why prayers are not answered. Why prayers are not answered. Why? 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 Why are prayers not answered? Number one is this. Contracting prayers. That's why many people's prayers are not answered. <laughs> because they are in the habit of contracting their prayers. What does that mean? You see Anna saying here. She said, I asked of the Lord. <laughs> she didn't say I went to prophet Eli. So pray to the Lord on my behalf. She said, I. I was the one that asked of the Lord. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you need to do your asking. If that person is not getting you, look at someone else and say, neighbor, put your hand as if you want to poke their eyes. <laughs> say, neighbor, you have to do the asking yourself. Aha. Uh-huh. We live in an environment that has transferred abalism to church. Many of what people practice today is mindsets and value system transferred from when they used to go to idols, oracles, and they have brought it to church. So you see people going from place to place, running around looking for what is not lost, looking for the man of God that is anointed. Let me tell you this, there is no powerful man of God anywhere. There is only a powerful God using people in powerful ways. And that's why you need to know where God has positioned you. See, I've come to realize, believers that run from place to place, check their life. It is never enviable. It's never enviable. Never, they have one pastor in Shokoto. They have, another one, they have one pastor in the north. They have another one in southwest. They, so when they go to Abuja, there is a pastor there. You see? So even when God does something, you don't even know where to share the testimony. Because you just know that it's one of those places that it happened. That's how they used to do in a, that's an occultic practice. So this one, someone tells you, I went to this Baba, he gave me this one. I went to this one. Gave, let's just use everything together. And that mindset has been transferred to church. You see, those who practice abalism, they don't need to understand the incantation. Somebody says it on their behalf and they just give them tokens. They say that use this thing, eat it on your head three times every morning. One, two, three. And you say today is a good day. You don't need to consult the oracle. There is somebody that consults the oracle on your behalf. If you read that first Samuel chapter one, the Bible says that when Hannah was praying and Eli showed up, Eli said, Why are you drunk? Nobody comes to the temple drunk. Are you all right? Imagine if Hannah had depended on that kind of prophet to pray for her. A prophet that saw her, you know, saw the way she was praying and said, This woman must be drunk. It simply means Eli would never have prayed for her that way. 
So all this idea of praying for me, see, there is nothing wrong in your pastor praying for you. But you need to understand you are not a bastard. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you are not a bastard. You are a child of God. Imagine if, for those of us that are parents here, imagine if your children had to hire somebody to talk to you. That I want school fees, so please help me tell daddy on my behalf. How would you feel? Like a useless, irresponsible parent. How do you think God feels every time you contract your spiritual responsibility? And let me tell you this, contracting prayers is a sign of spiritual irresponsibility. And if they are spiritually irresponsible, you will be responsible, irresponsible in other areas of your life. Because how you do one thing is how you do everything. If they are spiritually irresponsible, I can assure you that you will be irresponsible in the marketplace. You will expect others to lift your burdens for you. So the first reason why many people's prayers are not answered is because they are contracting their prayers. Imagine if Jacob and Jabez had contracted their destiny moments. The Bible says the time came in the life of Jacob. He was already blessed, but he wanted more. He wanted more. And the Bible says he sent his family ahead. All his possessions, the Bible says he sent it ahead. And he said, you know what, tonight I'm going to spend it with God in the place of spiritual warfare. And the Bible says he wrestled all night. To the point that the Bible says that the angel, right, um, dislocated one of his joints. If it were you, they contracted you. Can you receive dislocation? If you have been dislocated for eh, on everybody's behalf like that, you won't be able to walk again. <laughs> but Jacob knew what he wanted and he stayed with it. And when it was the breaking of the Jesus, what do you want? What do you want? He said, your name will no longer be Jacob. It is now Israel. From an individual, you have become a nation. No prophet would have done that on his behalf. Look at Jabez. The Bible says that Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. If they had gone to a prophet, they would have told him, Calm down now. Be satisfied with where you are. Are you not better than your brothers? Uh -uh. Uh, You are greedy. You are greedy. Calm down. Let God bless other people too. But Jabez, the Bible says, He said, Oh, that you will enlarge my territory. It means he already had a territory. But he wanted more. He didn't contract that responsibility, He, he, he accepted personal responsibility. So check it. What area of your life have you been expecting others to do your prayer for you? If I, I've had some men say things like, when I ask some people, why do you want to marry this babe? You know, they say, I love her. I say, okay, of course you should love her. Will you marry somebody you hate before? That's a no-brainer. Saying, Pastor, she can pray. When I hear men say that, I know I'm hearing a spiritually responsible man. Let me tell you this. If your wife, and guys, listen to this. If the woman in your house can pray more than you, you are irresponsible. You are supposed to be the head. She should be following you. She should see you praying and say, Ah, oh my, I'm not praying. No. Not the other way around. It's like, ah, she will pray for us. You know, when you do that, you know what you are doing. You are substituting yourself as the head. Because the one that talks to God is the one God will talk to. So what will happen is that God will stop talking to you and God will start talking to her. So in the realm of the spirit, she becomes the head. You become the neck. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So all this idea of, I want to marry her because she can pray. You should be able to pray. You should be able to pray. There is nobody God cannot listen to. So stop contracting your prayers. I remember hearing the story of a man of God in the United States, you know, who was sick and he was almost dying. And he was in ICU. The old church was praying. And his own mentor called the wife. And said, you know, a church of thousands of people. He said, everybody's praying for your husband, right? He said, yes. He said, your husband will die very soon. He said, why did you say that? He's your son. Why would you say something like that? He said, because those people cannot pray for him the way you will pray for him. He said, because in marriage you become one. God no longer sees you as separate entities. He sees you as one. You have a right and authority over the body of your husband. It is your voice God wants to hear, not the voice of the corporate body. Somebody hear what I'm saying? Many of us just say, they are praying for me. They are praying for me. Oh, yes, we are praying for you, but God wants to hear you. John 16, verse 23 to 24. Let's open to it. I think we should open scriptures this month, right? Let's see a lot of these things ourselves. John 16, verse 23 to 24. John 16, 23 to 24. The Bible says, Jesus speaking, it says, And in that day, you will do what? So do we agree it's Jesus that is speaking here? How many of us have a printed Bible? You have a printed Bible here. Alright. Those words are in what color? They are in what? 
The words of Christ are in red in the New Testament. So Jesus is the one speaking. Now, Jesus said, in that day you will do what? What day was he talking about? This is the question we need to ask ourselves. What day? He was talking about the day after he's taken away. After his ascension into heaven. So he said, in that day you will ask me nothing. So why are you still asking him? He said, in that day, this is it. Nobody said it. Jesus himself. He says, verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you ask who? Whatsoever you ask who? The Father, in my name, he will give it to you. It says, either to you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. But what I want us to see here, before I go into the other thing is this. It says, in that day, who will do the asking? Who will do the asking? In that day, you shall ask me nothing. Verily I say unto you, unto who? Unto who? Whatsoever what? You ask the Father in my name. He will give it to who? To you. Here to you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and what? You shall receive. That whose joy may be full. The one that does the asking. So stop contracting your prayers. That's why many people's prayers are no answer. So when they contract, they say, oh, it's not working. They go somewhere else. Stop looking for what is not lost. Stop looking for what is not lost. And people even say, they tell their children, say, pray, pray, pray. God hears the prayer of children. I'm like, where did you guys see? You know, people just come up with, and people say, God hears the prayer of women. So God doesn't hear the prayer of men. Hmm. Now, people just come up with all kinds of ideologies to be irresponsible. They say, don't worry, you go and pray, go and pray. You know, God hears the voice of children. And so, the moment you get into adulthood, God will stop hearing you. That's what it means now. Matthew 6 and verse 6. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6. Let's see that very quickly. Matthew 6 and verse 6. What does it say? But what? But... Do we have another translation apart from God is gal gal? So they can really get it. Maybe we should get New King James Version, but I know you guys don't have that. Maybe HC. Okay. So, but when what? When who prays? When you pray, go into your private room, shut whose door? Your door, and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward who? You. So the responsibility of prayer falls on you. It is your responsibility. Stop contracting the prayers. In the final analysis, as a New Testament believer, the prayer others pray for you is not as powerful as the prayer you pray for yourself. There are times and moments for prophetic intervention. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Where your pastor steps in and says, Father, I'm agreeing with my brother and sister over this and we're trusting God that this happens. But that should not happen every day. That should not happen every day. That's why you must have a personal altar. A place where you go to meet with God. And if it does not happen every day, it's not an altar. You know, sometimes I wonder. You know, it's amazing. Many of us, how many of us you grew up in homes where there were morning devotions? How many of us? How many of us? Okay. So, a lot of people. Many of us grew up in homes where there were morning devotions. Morning, if I grew up in the house, morning and evening. An evening devotion. You dare not miss it. Except this is of man or my father and mother that gave back to you. When my dad wants to be with my mom, we hold you. So it's not like uh, if my dad is with my mom, is not in that. They are both in agreement. You can't be sleeping. There is no sleep. There is no, <laughs> no matter how sweet that sleep is, you shall wake up by 5.30. Even till now, as an adult, you go to my father, except if you are not sleeping over in his house. If you get back home 4.30 a.m., 5.30 a.m., you must wake up and join prayers. Except you want to sleep somewhere else. So, that generation produced this generation. And this generation, there has been a lot of moral decadence. Now, imagine a generation where there is no altar. Where there is no devotion. there There will be no fear of God. So some of us, you might, oh, I know, Lagos is busy. Oh, Lagos is, you know, is this, is that. You can't use that as an excuse. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why God made you parents. And that's why God is going to make every one of us parents. Amen? Yeah. 
accept responsibility for the children, for the future of those children. It's not just about you. You might not need the devotion. They need it. Teach your children to pray. Teach your children to pray. Let them understand that it's not everything you ask daddy and mommy. They should ask God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Teach them faith from a child, from childhood. It's not everything. My daddy will. Them. No, my mommy will. Uh-uh. God will. So release your faith for it. The youth factor in prayer is a critical factor. Number two, reasons why prayers are not answered is secret sins. Secret sins. Psalms, 1, Psalms 19 and verse 13. Psalms 19 and verse 13. David prayed. They said, keep back your servant also from presumptive sins. He says, let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgressions. Psalm 66 and verse 18. Let's open to that. Let's have it on the screen. Psalm 66 and verse 18. Let's read it together. One, two, go. No, let's use King James for this one. <laughs> Praise God. This one is not correct. Praise God. Let's use King James. All right. If I what? The Lord will what? If I regard what? Iniquity in my heart. The Lord will not hear me. So, you can't be living in sin. What is sin? Disobeying God's standard. So, God has standards. And let me tell you this. God's standard is still God's standard. A standard in the old covenant is still the standard. A standard in the days of the apostles is still the standard. Lying is still a sin. There is no white lie and green lie. Lying is lying. Things that we think are, it does not really matter. You are in Ogba. You say I'm on Todd Bellan Bridge. I'm coming, I'm coming. You bring the phone out. You know, I remember years ago, I never as in <laughs> you know, I was traveling, you know, in public transport. And there was this lady sitting beside me, you know. And someone was calling her. Apparently, she was meant to deliver something hours ago, but she was just on her way to Lagos. And <laughs> the person called her. And she took the photo. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. You now put the phone outside. You know, the car was moving at top speed. So the person would just be hearing wind. I was just like, wow, ingenuity. In deception. Lying is still a sin. Falsifying figure is still a sin. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Fornication is still fornication. Adultery is still adultery. Loss is still lost. Covetousness is still covetousness. And we need to see, people redefine things in this age and time as if God has rebranded. No, God is still God. His standards are still his standards. And the Bible is saying here, David said, if I regard him, why? Because David was a man that sinned well. But he knew how to retrace his steps. You see, the key here we're talking about is, it's not that we can't, you know, make a mistake, but it's that not living in sin. Some people make sin habitual, and they still think, oh, that same God, I can just talk to him and he will answer. Is he a genie? Forget about Aladdin, that you rob the lamp. God is not a genie in a box, or a genie in a lamp. That you just rub him, massage his ego. When you now come into the place of prayer, say, you are the highest, you are the biggest, the Ogbangba, the Ogbaratiri. You know, as if God has ego problem. You are now trying to psych him up. And I say, I didn't like what you did yesterday, don't do it again. No? God is not like that. You now want to bribe him with psyching. <laughs> sin is still sin. And here, David is telling us, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. You know, that was what messed up Samson. It wasn't that Samson made the mistake, but he made sin habitual. You lied the first time to the woman. Number one, this was a woman you were not married to. Resting on the laps of Delilah. Let me tell you this. What people call dating today is fornication. Let's call speed is speed, not an agricultural implement. And God cannot hear you on the bed of fornication. 
I had, you know, from a pastor, you know, um, colleague many years ago while I was on campus. He said there was a particular, you know, um, engaged couple that came to him. You know, they had messed up. Saturday scripture, the, the, the lady was one of the choir worship leaders in church. And after, you know, they had, you know, had sex, the following morning they woke up and thought they were saying, and said, it's still there, it's still there, it's still there. <laughs> it's still there. Ask Samson. Samson also thought it was still there. Until God left him. And he thought, the Bible says, he went out as a before. Not realizing God had left him and they captured him. You know the story. We read it last week Sunday at Romance Academy. Sin is still seen. John 9 and verse 31. Let's look at it. John 9 and verse 31. John 9. Now, these were Pharisees that said what we're about to read. Pharisees. These guys, <laughs> you know, this was not even Jesus. They saw Jesus and the things he was doing. And some people said, oh, he's using the power of the devil. Oh, he's a sinner. You know what the Pharisees said? They keep quiet. He says, now we know that God heareth not what? Does not hear sinners. So this man cannot be a sinner. Because every time he prays, God hears. He says, no, 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 no. This man is not. Uh-uh. For we know, not that it seems as if God does not hear sinners. We know. We know. So if you want your prayers answered, you must take sin out of the equation. Is it that you choose sin or you choose answers to prayers? We live in a generation that makes people believe that anything you just ask from God, God will do it without talking about the lifestyle of men. No, that's not the God of the Bible. It's not the God of the Bible. It can be the God of any other book or text, but it's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible cares how you live. You look at someone like Saul. God kept instructing him, do this, he would do something else. Do this, he would do something else. He kept disobeying God's laws. Until the day that he wanted to go to war and he called upon God and there was no answer. He was now forced to go to a witch to consult, you know, to, to bring the spirit. Now say, ah, bring the spirit of Samuel so that I might know what to do. Because God had been giving him a long rope. Number three is lack of confidence. Lack of confidence. And let me tell you this, that is one thing sin robs you of. It robs you of your confidence. It robs you of your confidence. And the Bible says in Hebrews 4 and verse 16, let's look at it. Hebrews 4 and verse 16. Hebrews 4 and verse 16. The Bible says, let us therefore come how? How do we come to God? How do we come to Him? That's not everybody speaking. How do we come to Him? We come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. You see, if you are truly saved and you are born again, when you fall into error, you will not be able to go into God's presence boldly. If you can still do it boldly, you were never saved. And you need to get saved. And that's one thing the devil is always after. He wants to rob you of your confidence because you need that boldness to go into the presence of God. You need it. That's why he says, let us come boldly. Because it is in coming boldly that you are able to obtain mercy and find grace even when you need it. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 28 and verse 1, it says the righteous, they are as bold as a lion. The righteous, the righteous, the one that is living right, they are as bold as a lion. So if, you're, if there is sin in your life, one of the things that affects is that boldness. That boldness, that boldness. It says the righteous, they are as bold as a lion. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, when they went against God's commandments, what happened? They became fearful. They had to start hiding from God. God had to say, hey, Adam, where are you? Where are you? They had to start hiding. Why? Because they lost that confidence. That confidence they used to have to talk to God. They no longer had that confidence. And the moment you don't have that confidence, you will not have the confidence to insist on answered prayers. Let me tell you this, as a believer, you don't beg for things to happen in the place of prayers. You insist that they must happen. But you can't have that boldness if you are living an unrighteous life. You can't. And that's what the devil is after. That's what he's after. That's what he's after. We tell you, it doesn't matter. It's just a little kissing. After you do that kissing to someone you are not married to, what happens to your confidence? Check it. Check it. When it's time for prayers, what happens? That's what the devil is after. He wants to rob you of the answers you can get in the place of prayer. So he keeps telling you, it does not really matter. It doesn't matter. And let me tell you, it is even better for you to lose your boldness than for you not to lose it. If you have lost it, ah! 
is bigger problem. It means now sin has become your nature. You know, before you give your life to Christ and you do certain things, you just it's normal. But one of the signs that a man is born again is that when he does something, there is a that he lacks that confidence. Ah, I've seen that done something wrong. That is proof a man is saved. Lack of confidence. So people don't get answers to prayers because they are not even sure whether they will get answers. They don't go into prayers with, a, uh, with, with, with boldness. Number four is strife. Strife. <laughs> strife. Genesis 13 verse 5 to 9. If you can have it on the screen, I would appreciate it. The Bible says, Lot said, Lot also, which went with Abraham, had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them. Now, tents here is referring to houses. Because then, they were in motion. So, they were living in tents. So, in today's contemporary language, you can say that Lot, right, that went with Abraham, also had houses, right? And the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great. So that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the admen of Abraham's cattle and the admen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanites and the Perizzites dwelled then in the land. And Abraham said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and you, and between my hardmen and your hardmen. For we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself, I pray you, from me. If you will take left, if you will take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. Now look at the choice of words that Abraham used. Why did you take it away? Still put it on the screen. Genesis 13, 5 to 9. Leave it there. Genesis 13, 5 to 9. You see Abraham saying, I pray thee. I pray thee. That is, I beg you. Let there be no strife. Let there be no strife. If you read further down, right in the 14th verse. Let's skip to the 14th verse. The 14th and the 15th verse. I want you to see what happened. The 14th verse. Genesis 13, the 14th verse. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Abraham, After what happened? After Lot was separated from him. Now, this is what happened. When there was strife, in this place where there is strife, God does not speak. Now, you see, you need to understand what happened here. Lot was Abraham's nephew. So it wasn't like maybe they were age mates or maybe in age, Abraham was far older than him. Number two, Lot was a nobody. Abraham literally raised him. Abraham literally made him who he was. When strife began to happen between his adsmen, and Abraham's hard men, what Lot should have done was to call his guys to order. And say, guys, you don't do this. Talk to yourself. Come back to your senses. But Lot was just like, what is it? Abraham has cattle, I have cattle. He has houses, I have houses. <laughs> like some of us say in this part of the world, is somebody God will use for somebody now? It's where we walk that we chop. But Abraham understood. You see, he said, let there be no strife. He said, anywhere you want to go, even if you want everything, I will give you. Because if you take it, you can lose it. But if I have peace, if I'm at peace with you, whatever you take, I will get back. And if you read further down in the book of Genesis, you will realize at the end of the day, Lot lost everything. But God would never have spoken to him. The Bible says, and the Lord said unto Abraham, after Lot was separated from him. Let me tell you this. You can't live with strife and malice in your heart and expect God to hear you. It does not matter the reason why you are at strife with someone. They may have offended you legitimately. But because of your own prayers, you must release them in your heart. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Ah, pastor, you don't know what he did. It's true, I may not know. You don't know what she did. It's true, I may not know. But would you rather stay in strife and have your prayers in that? Or would you rather have answers to prayers? Ah? Which would you prefer? First Peter 3 and verse 7. The Bible says, Apostle Peter writes into the church. He said, husband, dwell with your wives according to knowledge giving honor unto the wife i remember there was a time i posted the video you know on instagram you know I, 
Instagram is a place where you see people just manifest foolishness conveniently. You know, and I was talking about something. I think the title of the, the um, caption of that video is Why Men Should Honor Their Wives or something. And somebody wrote there, Why should a man? He says, Why that should honor the. Ah! I was just like, well, you, If you were a fool, you should have made it private. You have to. You have just made everybody know now that you are not that smart. Look at what the Bible says. It says, Giving honor unto the wife. As unto the weaker vessel, it says, and has been here together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Many men, listen to me. The reason why your prayers are not answered is the way you are treating your wives. If your wife is not happy with you, let me tell you this: your life may be very hard. I'm telling you, this is scriptures. I had this for the first time in our counseling session when we we're about to get married. One of our counselors said, hmm, I had you a pastor. Say, if you don't want to struggle. Take care of your wife. So make sure she's happy. So as a man, you, 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 I see some men struggling. Your wife is not dressing well. You, you are looking prim and proper. Ah, you should write different. You don't know. As in your problem, that's what I said in my language. Your problem will arise very soon. So people are fighting with their wife. You wake and say, let me tell you, there is nothing your wife and also husbands. Both ways, both ways, right? And you do not greet each other. Let me tell you, this is one of the understanding that we have in our house. That's why I tell us that we have never had a misunderstanding in my house that lasted for 12 hours. Do we have misunderstandings? Yes. But it doesn't last more than that. You will not wake up the next day. It will not continue. What happened in the night? You should have slept it off. Some people still continue the next day. Good morning. You just eat the way your answers. And you use that same mouth to go and pray. And I say, good morning, Jesus. God is saying, what answer to you? I can't hear you. He said that your prayers be not in that. It simply means if your relationship is not right with your spouse, your prayers will be in that. There's no other, you see. Well, at times you try to, you know, these things are simple to understand. You only need somebody to confuse you. No matter what your wife, even see, let me tell you this, sorry is not always the acceptance of guilt. It's a demonstration of maturity. You might be right, but do you want your prayers answered? If you don't want your prayers answered, why not? Keep proving your rights. Keep proving it for one month. One month of in-depth prayers. And let me tell you, the Bible says the devil is an accuser of brethren. The devil will accuse you before God. Say, God, you can't answer this one. That was what he did to Job. Job was living in fear. And the devil brought that fear to God's attention. He said, you have blessed him. You have built a hedge around him. This guy is not even aware. He's always afraid. Ah, one day I might lose everything. Hey, one day my children might die. Hey, one day I might lose the cattle. And God said, well, he's right. So the devil will bring it up to God. See who you want to answer. Don't forget that the devil still goes to God's presence. He's in the book of Job. The Bible says God called the meeting of his children. And the devil showed up. And they didn't send him out. And he still spoke. They gave him audience. So as you are praying, good morning. God, what's good about the morning? He has not greeted the wife. Some of these things, for, it sounds funny, but pay attention to it. Some people can pray fire and brimstone. Fast 40 days. God, where are you? He is the same place he has always been. Number five, doubt and unbelief. Doubt and unbelief. In John chapter 9, verse 23 to 24, the Bible says, And Jesus said unto him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. And straightway, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. There is no point praying if you don't believe God will answer you. There is no point. Some people as they are praying, they are mind, well, if God does it, I will be happy. It will not happen. The Bible says in Mark 11 verse 23, it says, Verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall see unto this mountain be removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, and shall not doubt in his heart. The Bible says, but he shall believe that those things he says will come to pass. He shall have whatsoever that he says. James 1 verse 5 to 8, the Bible says, If you lack wisdom, let him, anyone that lacks wisdom, let him ask of God that gives all men liberally and upbraids not. He says, and it shall be given him. He says, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, which is tossed to and fro. For let not that man think that he will receive anything from the Lord. Did you see that? Don't let that man think he will receive anything from the Lord. As long as you are doubting, hey, will God do it? Will he not do it? Will he do it? Ah, Shomashi, will he not do it? 
It will not, you see, you must get to that point where you know that it's either it happens or it happens. That's how to get your prayers answered. As long as you are still doubting. That's why said, I said that at the, at the first service. And people, uh, uh, when you pray, God has three answers. Yes, no, wait. There's no place in there. There is nothing to validate that in scriptures. There is nothing to validate that. When you pray according to his will, you get answers. But the question is, is there doubts in your heart? Number six, wrong focus. Wrong focus. You can't focus on your problems and focus on God's promises at the same time. You can't. You either have to choose to focus on God's promise and his faithfulness or you focus on your problems. Right? You look at someone like Peter in Matthew 14 verse 25 to 31. I'm trying to rush because there are a couple of things I want to talk about. I'm already behind time. Right? Um, the Bible says that Peter, when he saw Jesus walking towards them, the Bible says that, you know, him and the disciples, they thought it was a ghost. And they said, oh, they eventually they realized it was Jesus. And they said, oh, if you are the one, tell me to come. And Jesus said, come. Right? So Peter stepped out of the water. And he began to walk towards Jesus. He was walking on water. He was doing what Jesus could do. But the Bible says, Peter saw the wind boisterous. And he began to sink. Question, had the wind been boisterous? Yes. Did Peter see it before? No. The moment he began to see the circumstances, he began to sink into it. When you are praying, you must take your attention off what is not working. And put it on God's promises. You can't be focused on your problems and be focused on what God wants to do at the same time. When you are praying about something, let your focus be only on the answers to your prayers. Even when it seems as if the more you are praying, the worse things are getting. Keep your focus on what you are praying about. Keep your focus on the answers to your prayers. On not, don't put it on the wind. Don't put it on the storm. The storm will always be there. The goal of the storm is to sink you. The goal of the storm is to distract you. You don't put your attention on those things. You put it on God. You put it on God. That's why Hebrews 12 and verse 2, the Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The Bible says, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and despised the shame, and is now set at the right hand of the throne of God. Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Let your gaze be on Jesus. Let it be on the word. Let it be on his promises. Number seven, negative confessions. Negative confessions. Many people's prayers are not answered because of negative confessions. The things they are saying. You pray about something. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus. This week I speak to the north, to the south, to the east and the west. Let there be a release unto me. Everything that I need. For the sweatless fulfillment of my goals, dreams and vision. You get to work the next day. They say dollar is now 530. One dollar is 530. Pounds is seven, what's now? Seven times. Say, ah. God. This dollar safe. You see? You are beginning to change your confession. Your words are no longer aligned with what you said in prayers. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The Bible says that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above what you ask or think. Ask or think. Ask or think. As you are praying, right, your confession must align with what you have prayed about. Many people say, eh, I'm trying to be realistic. Choose reality or choose answers to prayers. You have to choose either of the two. Let me tell you this, those who get answers to prayers, they don't live the way the average person lives. Is that no, we have to be realistic. We have, all the realistic you have been saying, how has he helped your life? You say what you are praying about when you see, let me tell you this. I think it was at seven days of unprecedented breakthrough. I think it should be day two or day three when I spoke about the declaration of faith extensively. Let me tell you this. God will only do according to your words. After you have prayed, you see, let me tell you this. Prayers and declarations of faith works in tandem. How does that happen? When you have prayed about something, you have offered your petition, it must now become your confession. Never allow anything to come out of your mouth that is not in alignment with what you have prayed about. Oh, so Father, I'm trusting you for a car before the end of the year. Or I'm trusting you for a new house before the end of the year. The money is not showing up. I decree and I declare everything that I need for the acquisition of this car. Is it that the money comes? Is it that the car comes? You see, that's how you talk. Not, hey, oh God. Would this thing ever happen like this? Ah, 
We don't even understand the way this country is going. Can somebody even build a house in this economy? Ah, now wow. The people where they build house, how did they build themselves? Ah, now wow. This economy is safe. Ah, we don't even understand. Do you believe in your prayer? Or in the circumstances? As bad as the economy is, people are making crossovers every day. From poverty to prosperity. Every day. And it's not everybody that is doing illegitimate stuff. So what are you focusing on? You see, what you are saying out of your mouth is proof to us of what your heart is filled with. You can never catch me say something is not working. Why will it not work? It must work. Is it that it works? I have the motto. Is it that it works? Or it what? Or it works. What is that? It will not work. Has it worked in the hands of some people? Yes. So they have two heads? No. Do I have one head? Yes. So if it can work for them, it can work for me. So I'm not even sure whether it will work. Why, why will you not be sure? It might not happen when I want it to happen, but it will happen. And in life, they don't catch late commas. They won't say you married late. No, late comma. You bought your car late. No, you are a late comma. No, they don't catch late commas. In fact, when mine happens, it becomes the latest. Negative confessions. Get it out of your mouth. Get it out of your mouth. Never allow anything to proceed out of your mouth. It was James who said in James 3 verse 10 to 12. He says, out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. These things ought not to be so. James 3 and verse 10. He says, these things ought not to be so. So, you can't be saying the right things and the wrong things out of the same mouth. He says, my brethren, this things ought not to be so. Does the fountain send forth at the same time sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? Either a vine fig, so can no fountain both use salt water and fresh. Your words, are they salt water or they, they are fresh water? You have to choose. Is it sweet water or bitter waters? Don't be confused. Because God is not. Number eight, offenses. Offenses. Offenses will come, but you must choose not to take it. That's why they say somebody took offense. Because you can take it or drop it. <laughs> you look at someone like John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the one that announced Jesus. He said, oh, behold the love of God. <laughs> right? When he was coming to the baptism. He announced Jesus. But when John the Baptist was in prison, he doubted Jesus. He became offended. Why? Because he was in prison. Jesus was his cousin. I introduced this guy. He should come for me in prison. Let me tell you this. John the Baptist did not lose his head to a girl. He lost it to offense. Many people's prayers are not answered. Many people's prayers are hindered because of offenses. People offend you. You see, the Bible says offenses will always come. As long as you are in this world, offenses will come. But you can choose to take offense or reject it. People will offend you. What is an offense? A disregard of your personality. So that was how John the Baptist felt. You mean Jesus forgot me in this prison? He didn't even visit me? <laughs> the Bible says he sent his disciples to go and ask Jesus. <laughs> that was the amazing part. Maybe we should see it. Matthew 11. Let's read it. Matthew 11. Matthew 11 verse 2. Matthew 11. Media, you have to help me. You have to be very fast. Matthew 11 verse 2 to 6. The Bible says now when John had in the prison, the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, are you the one that should come or should we look for another? What was he trying to say? You are the one that already said this is the Messiah. Now I said, are you sure you are the real Messiah? Because a Messiah is not supposed to be behaving this way. Offense has entered. Because if you are truly the Messiah, I'm not supposed to be here. Some of us, we are offended at your uncles. Somebody that promised to give you a job when you leave school. You are offended. That's one of the things hindering you. You don't know. You are praying. Your prayers are no answer. Check your heart. Maybe there's offenses there. He said, are you the one that should come or should we look for another? Jesus answered and said, go and show John about the, again these things which you do here and which you do here and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame wall, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be what? Offended in me. Because some people are not just offended in men. Because there are two types of offense. Offense against people, offense against God. Some people is God they are offended against. <laughs> I remember one song. My wife always said she doesn't like that song. Oh, my mother, you know, I had that song growing up. It's a Yoruba song. 
Allah Roshemio, Mosifa. Very stupid song. God offended you, really? I don't know the purpose of that song, but you know, some people that's how they live have prayed about this thing, it has not happened. God, are you still there? Offense has started. Look at someone like Joseph. God showed you a dream. You are going to be a world leader. And things, so from that moment, things started getting worse for you. See, Joseph had the right to be offended. Abraham had the right to be offended a lot. Do you know what it means to feed somebody? Let me tell you this. I know what it means. For you to help people and for them to turn their back against you. But let me tell you, as a believer, you must either choose, do I want my prayers to be answered or I want to focus on the offense? Sometimes we even tell ourselves, oh, I'm forgiving this person, I'm forgiving this person. But check your heart, offense is still there. Some of us need to be like Abraham. You might, they offended you, but you might need to call those people. They are the ones in the wrong, but you might need to call them to get offense out of your heart, to be at peace. To let God know of a truth and release this person. People will look at you, you are stupid. That's how they would have seen Abraham. Ah, stupid man. You raise, see the boy you raise. It's misbehaving. You are still begging him. Let there be no strife. But Abraham was smarter. He was not offended. If he had been offended, he would not have had God's voice. Joseph, when his brother showed up, he said, ah, we are sorry. Do you know what Joseph's brothers did? It was better if they had killed him. You see, it was not only a but because in the days of Joseph, if they are sold into slavery, you are not just the one being sold into slavery. Your future generations become slaves. You see, <laughs> you even reduce the person's potential to be married. Because if a free woman marries a slave, she automatically becomes a slave. Any child you give back to as a slave becomes a slave. So it was like a journey of no return. But he saw his brothers. He said, oh no guys, you don't need to. He said, you sold me. But God sent me. You sold me. No offenses. If Joseph had been offended, he would never have seen the fulfillment of his, of his dreams. Never. So many of us are praying. People, see, let me tell you this. Like Jesus said, offenses will come. You can't take away of, but it is your responsibility to decide, or it's your choice. Am I going to take this offense, or am I going to drop it? People are going to offend you. People will say things. You will help people. They will turn their back against you. You will be wondering, am I dreaming? You will close people. They will turn against you and say, what is it? Uh, is it not clothes? Well, what is there in clothes? Uh, God can use anybody. Is God used you. If God had not used you. God would have used somebody else. You will pay people school fees. They will not come back to say thank you. But let me tell you this. It is your decision. Or it is your choice, better still, to take offense or to drop it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You want to get your prayers answered? You want to remove every hindrance out of your way? You must remove offense. You must remove offense. Matthew 18 and verse 7, Jesus said, Woe unto the world because of offense. For it must needs be that offenses will come. Offenses will come. Offenses will come. You need to realize that. Offenses will come. Hmm. Number nine, praying your own way. You need to understand that in the Bible, there are protocols for everything. There is a how-to for everything in scriptures. Many try to do things by their own way. They ignore, or many people try to do things their own way by ignoring scriptural standards. Hmm. The Bible says in Luke 11 and verse 1, that the disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. People have been praying, but we realize that your own prayer is different. You get answers, teach us how to pray. We don't just want to be sending words into the universe. We don't just want to be praying to a supreme being. We don't want our prayer to be a chance, a 50-50 chance. Will God hear? Will God not hear? Teach us how to pray. And some of those things are things we'll be talking about in this month, so I'll leave that for now. Number 10 is disobedience. Are we blessed this morning? Yes, disobedience. Disobedience. Someone is praying to God for financial breakthrough, but he does not give tithe. He does not even give to people. He doesn't give to his parents. You are living in disobedience. The church does not need your money. God is never in need of your money. But you can't be living in disobedience and expect God to bless disobedience. No. 
Someone is expecting God to heal them, yet they don't pay attention to their health. They don't sleep. They don't eat right. My wife has not taken, it's a challenge for me. My wife has not taken fizzy drinks, drink for over one year. Can we celebrate that? That's discipline. <laughs> whether it's Martha Guinness, or whether it is five alive, or whether it is six dead, or whatever. <laughs> she has not anything colored apart from water. It's up to a year, right? Me, I'm still trusting God. Me, I thanks. <laughs> I do three I do three weeks. I said, ah, no. Today is cheat day. <laughs> I'll say, I need sugar in my body. <laughs> you can't be trusting God for sound health. And everything that you see goes into your mouth. And you say, God, heal me, heal me, heal me. God is not stupid. You can't be praying to God for a happy home. And the principles that require marrying rights, you ignore it. You say, it does not matter. He's an unbeliever, but we change him. Wow. Unchangeable changer. Shall we change him? You know you don't have peace in your heart, but you say, ah, even God said he sets the, the desolate families. I don't want to be desolate. God, some people even thank God. God, is it that you do it this year or don't do it again? <laughs> oh, dear Lord Jesus. Some people are praying to God for honor. They don't honor God. They don't honor their parents. They don't honor their prophet. They don't honor the people God has placed over them. Honor will be far. There is a how-to for everything in scriptures. And you need to live a life of obedience. You want to see answers to prayers? Obey God's principles for every area of your life where you are praying to him about. Number 11, public display. That's why many people's prayers are also unanswered. Public display. I'm going to 12, I'm rounding up already. And we're going to pray this morning. Is that okay? Public display. Public display. Some people pray to show off. You know what Jesus said? You have already received answers to your prayers. You know the answer? Wow, ginger brother. You have gotten your reward. Say, wow. Ah, hey, hey. But that's go can pray. That's the answer. You have gotten your reward. Some people just want people to... <laughs> Fine, there is a place of passion. There is a place of exerting yourself in prayers. But check your heart. Is it to be seen by men? Let's go to Matthew 6, verse 5 to 6. You need to see that. Matthew 6, verse 5 to 6. Jesus said, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. He says, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corner of the streets, that they may what? That they may be seen by men. He says, surely I say to you, they have their reward already. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will do what? Will reward you openly. Some people, when they are fasting, everybody knows. So why are you like this? Well, today is Wednesday. We are fasting in our church. <laughs> Say, oh, sorry, sorry. Thank you. You have gotten your answer. Your answer is the respect of men. Say, wow, every Wednesday you fast too. Eh? That guy, Babanio. Eh? Every, that's your reward. You know, Jesus even gave us a temple. He said, when you are fasting, he said, you see, some people, when they are fasting, their mouth will be smelly. He said, you see, that's why you say, you can't say you are fasting and because of that your mouth is smelly. When you are fasting, your mouth will smell. Maybe you should put water in your mouth, rinse it and spit it out. It will give you a fresher breath. Or if you have to take mint, if it will not make your tummy to be turning on your own, because that can happen if you've not eaten. Like, he says, use perfume. Smell nice. Also because I'm fasting, everybody needs to know. You have gotten your reward. Jesus said that. He said, put a, pay attention to your appearance when you are fasting. So because the moment everybody starts knowing, that's your answer. Your answer is the respect and the applause of men. And last but not the least, why prayers are not answered? It's because people don't pray. A prayer you don't pray cannot be answered. We don't think prayers. We say prayers. I went to a Catholic primary school. <laughs> you are praying. So when they say, I think I can't remember some of this, but there's a prayer that is angelus. You read, you'll be reading it out. Yeah. So people, when we say, let's pray, you know, now let's pray after the message, I'll say, let's commit the week into the hands of God. Some people see it as an opportunity to take 30 seconds nap. Ah, that message is hot. 
Pastor Bono, that pastor. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You have not prayed. So how can God answer a prayer you don't pray? He says, call upon me and I will answer you. It means if you don't call upon me, there is nothing to answer. When people say, ah, you know, God, ah, no, I have not seen any miracle this year. Have you been asking him for one? Have you been praying for one? Let me tell you this, there is nothing you can't ask God for. Never forget he's your father. And it's not like the African father. It's not a lion of tribe of Judah. That when you hear his own, Papa, everybody picks race. He's a father that when he opens the door, you go and hug him. You jump on his neck. He's happy to see you. That's the way God is. That's the way God is. That's the way God is. So the most important prayer, let me say this, as I round up this morning, anyone can pray, huh, is the prayer of salvation. That's the most important prayer. Any other prayer you pray, if you have not prayed this prayer of salvation, is a wasted prayer. That's what the Bible says where we read earlier. It says, for we know that God does not hear the prayer of sinners. Probably there is somebody that has offended you in the past here this morning. I want you to talk to God in the next few moments. Let's begin to talk to God.